love, that ever-flowing liquid fire of life, ever-expanding and illuminating truth, which is always revealed with wisdom, a spiritual nutrient necessary for vitality that is maintained through selflessness, a filter of ether that aids purity, which is love, love, a limitless paper lantern floating into infinity on the intentions and actions of initiates of the mysteries. All right, welcome everybody. We have uh, Dalian with us today. Dalian, how you doing, bro? Good, good, good. Thanks for having me, Ross. I am excited to be here, man. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, thanks for coming on, man. I'm excited to get to, to talk with you more. Um, we talked a little bit before this and it was really, it's been a really good conversation so far. Mm -hmm. um, I like to start off asking people what they're grateful for in this moment. What are you grateful for today, Dalian? Mm -hmm. Well, right now I am especially grateful for this opportunity, Ross, to really have this conversation with you. But um, I'm, I suppose, grateful for the whole of it, whatever I can comprehend, sort of apprehend of life in general. Because, yeah, it is this kind of big, overwhelming, at times scary thing, but I am mostly right now, I think, flowing with the awesome, magical sort of side of it. So yeah, I'm grateful for that, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a lot easier to go with the flow than it is to be pushed along by it unwillingly. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, have, having your, your butt kicked by the rocks, exactly, as you get, you know, whipped about by the current. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. no. Much swimming, yeah, downstream. I always like the Alan Watts thing where he talks about like when you're going with the flow and you're and you're like facing the way that the water is flowing, you can direct which way you want to go. When you're in the other way, you're getting a mouthful of water and bouncing off whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you uh, you also mentioned another uh, thing that uh, I love. Alan Watts is someone who I really should just dive into you know whatever he's got out there as far as like talks and books and videos anything i can get my hands on i really love his points of view and yeah he's he's awesome but somehow i didn't even know about him really until only a few years ago so that's i don't know how that's possible but yeah yeah i really enjoyed all his stuff that i've listened to i like it because he like has all these paradoxes and i find so much truth in paradoxes and he has so much humor and i find that like most of the things that really have helped me the most are like humorous paradoxes and realizing how complicated I make things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, you really got to the core of, I guess, what I was trying to say there, though, because that that is what he's got that's really awesome is this way of exactly giving you these parables and these examples that are very sort of down to earth, but have, you know, a lot of profound wisdom in them. And he'll make him funny. Yeah, exactly. He'll in inject his... I suppose you could call it slightly British, dry, sardonic humor, which, you know, I happen to find very much like myself. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's just a great blend of, yeah, the deep wisdom with the anecdotes and the humor and all of that. Yeah, he, he's, so, he's so enjoyable to listen to. Um, what quotes do you feel most moved by and, and what do they mean to you? You know, uh, the one quote that... Uh, when I saw this question, I just thought of the one that uh, I guess it's like a Maya Angelou kind of quote, uh, maybe part of like a larger thing that he, she said. But she essentially said, people will forget what you said and did, but they'll remember, you know, how you made them feel. And that just drove this point home for me. You know, when she said it in such simple words, the whole sort of energetic side of life, you know, the fact that 
you know, so much of what we experience is really energy, right? And emotion, our, like you were saying, you know, before we started recording here, uh, the nonverbal dimension of our, you know, experience and interaction. That, that was just her putting it in words, the whole nonverbal side, putting it in beautiful words. And it was just like, boom, you know, <laughs> chew on that quote for a few years and see what you can make of that. So, yeah. <laughs> That's very beautiful. I like that. Yeah, it's one that I think I, will stick with me. And of course, you know, being part of the whole positive head thing, we've had a plethora of really awesome quotes to chew on, really. Um, but that's one that just like always, you know, has stuck around with me. So. Mm, yeah, I, I look at quotes like every day now. I put like two quotes out a day or whatever or more uh, for my different feeds. And it's so awesome to find how people are able to crystallize such um, deep, expansive concepts into so few words <laughs> like yeah. that boggles my mind have you ever read any Kerouac no Kerouac is actually someone um I, I suppose I might like him because what he's one of the quintessential beat poets right mm -hmm. uh, but no for some reason I haven't gotten into and was he contemporary with Allen Ginsberg as well or, or yeah they used to they used to hang around um he actually was like good friends with them and they hung out with uh I can't think of the the guy who wrote Junkie, I can't think of his name right now either. Oh, oh yeah, he that's all. Burroughs. Oh, right, okay. Are you saying I should, you think I should read some Kerouac that I would like him? I really enjoy Kerouac. Um, my cousin, the first book my cousin suggested me of Kerouac was uh, Dharma Bums. But one of his, his quotes from, I forget what book, is when I find the right words, they will be simple. <laughs> I always, I always like that take. Yeah, I think you would enjoy Kerouac. Cool. Well, I have to mention then, because... It just popped in my head now, but since you recommend the Kerouac, I have to mention the preeminent Chilean poet because he's really awesome, Pablo Neruda. You may have heard of him, mm -mm. but if not, I will send you know, I can send you a link, I can put a Please uh, do. comment on Yeah, he's honestly, I mean, you know, my nation is small and you know, humble, you could say, but we've had some really pretty uh, titanic figures in literature, and he we've had two Nobel laureates, he's one of them, but he's considered even by many now kind of like the Shakespeare of poetry and he's been translated into many languages but yeah he's his poetry Ross uh is really sort of earthy and kind of spiritual but also kind of like gritty and he was very much a man of the people you could say so there's like this whole kind of lofty romantic side to his poetry and also this very sort of like I said down to earth gritty awesome side to his his prose that I think is yeah I'd really like that, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Check it out. No, I definitely will, bro. I mean, I'm always looking for new stuff. And poetry is something that, like, that was one of the first things that got me into uh, doing, like, hip-hop lyrics or stuff like that was writing poetry. And it's been such a good tool for me to express myself. And then when I read other people's stuff, it just gives me, like, that next brass ring to strive for. Kind of like we were talking about before we started recording about, like, um, the one musician you, you like, dialed into and we're like oh, i want to i, I want to like learn some of his stuff and you're like it's something i'm always going to be <laughs> going for or whatever to really develop it no i love that man mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah i also relate to what you just said because you know i've never written a whole lot of poetry but i will i do kind of off and on keep a journal that i'll you know just sort of put random entries into and uh if i feel like it i'll write in kind of verse you know like i'll make it a little more sort of you know you know, I'll have some kind of pentameter or whatever and, and, you know, make it essentially like kind of freeform poetry. But yeah, 
I, I get what you're saying as far as the uh well the the writing lyrics thing that you, you know you were telling me about writing hip-hop lyrics is something that i myself get to see through brandon who i think is actually a really great lyricist as well so I've, i would actually need to check out what you've written i'd love to i'd be curious to see what you've got if there's anything out there just so i can yeah i have a soundcloud man cool i'll send you some of my poetry too you can check it out sometime if you want yeah but definitely send me that poet man cool cool yeah i will send you a link for sure awesome dude um and now this is the question that some people have a really hard time with i think that i would as well explain who you are and what you do (laughs) right well who i am i can give you the kind of you know simple answer i'm the like i was telling you you know before the interview i'm essentially the producer of the positive head podcast because i edit all episodes and uh just you know help release it to the world but uh, i'm essentially an artist because i'm a graphic artist i'm an illustrator and i'm above everything a musician and a music producer so i suppose that's who you could say i am and uh, I was laughing, Ross, earlier. I just saw a clip of Jim Carrey on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And uh, he's, he's, of course, really hilarious and everything. But he's also someone who's famously explored this whole dimension of life, right? And I will add to what I just said, something kind of like what he just said in the interview, that in addition to what I just told you, I'm also life experiencing itself through this guy, as opposed to this person who I thought I was that I'm not really sure that I am anymore because, you know, it's as time goes on and you expand your mind and all of the good things we're doing, you know, you just can't, you just don't take yourself for granted. I, I suppose you could say you don't, you don't see yourself as who you, you know, you, you, you see yourself as more constantly. At least that's the idea. That's what I would hope that we all do. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the path I'm on for sure. Wow. That, I really like how, how you end with that. Like, the way that you ended all that stuff. And, and I mean, that's been true for me. Like I normally find out who I was at a time, like when I'm further down the road and like, that's who I was then. Oh, like I couldn't see all of me in that moment. <laughs> and like, I, everybody's constantly changing. I, I've used this analogy before where like, I used to say it in a negative way. And, and the way that you phrase this makes me want to like perceive it in a positive way. I used to say my bullshit's like an iceberg. I can only see the tip of it, and then there's all this stuff below, and then whenever I uncover something, um, there's going to get more snow on it, so what I uncover will be covered up, and like I'm never going to know all of it, but that's definitely true for the positive elements of my character as well, where it's, it's always I'm always going to be developing, and I'm never going to be able to know all of who I am. Yeah, that's actually really awesome how you weave that theme into my answer, man, because that's really insightful, and that's something that I can really understand, but it's, I suppose it's the sort of thing that if, if you don't get what you just explained, then it's, it's, I'm like, okay, it's fine. doesn't matter. You'll, you'll sort of get it eventually. But what you just said with those words kind of confirms to me that you've taken a glimpse behind the curtain, so to speak, of who we really are, you know, because that was, of course, kind of the gist of your question, but who we are is so, who, who we really are is ultimately a mystery. So that's the thing that is kind of mind-boggling is that, yeah, we can, we can know parts of ourselves. We can know ourselves in hindsight. We can know ourselves through our reflections. We can know ourselves through, you know, this sort of appearance that we project, but that's not really who we are. So who we are is much like you said, an iceberg that you, you can never see fully. And it's, 
part of the wonder and the mystery about who we really are. It's, it's just a trip. You, you just blew my mind with something that you said on that about like the reflection thing. I had never thought about this before. The only way I ever see myself is a reflection though. If I look at, in the mirror, if I look in the, the camera now from, the, from this uh, on my laptop or whatever, I'm seeing a reflection of me. I'm not situated how I actually am. That's like a really, it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, man. Cause of, yeah, exactly. That's like our everyday experience. And then of course, as you may know, uh, or, you know, as you have heard, I'm sure through like other people out there uh, or maybe friends and family that you have had this experience when someone has an out of body experience, right. And they get to sort of see themselves as if they were a spectator in a movie. Right. That whole thing is always such a, anytime I hear, you know, anything like that, I'm like, oh, you know, that's a glimpse into what we were just saying. Cause people are always like, oh shit, it's so weird to see myself, you know, standing outside of me, right. And watch myself as, it was, as if I was someone else. That must be a real trip. I had an experience one time um, where I had eaten this hash brownie. It had like hash butter and little chunks of hash in it. And I thought I was going to die. So I went and I laid down in my room and then I woke up. And I was standing on the wall, staring at myself sleeping. <laughs> and then like all these Egyptian symbols started flashing. I saw a star form, planet form, life evolve on the planet, life collapse, star burn out. And then a voice said, you now know the secrets of the mysteries. And then I woke up and I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, you have had a little bit of a taste of what I was talking about. What a trip though, huh? Out of the body. That, yeah, dude, I... Oh, I've had other experiences, but that was one of the most profound, like out of the body ones where it was just, I mean, people have had way more intense ones. That's just mine. It was just, like you said, mind boggling, dude. Like, I, like I could, I could tear that apart for hours and try to determine what it means, but it means yeah. what it was. So. Yeah, I've had my own taste of something like that wasn't quite like that Ross but uh through my own experiences with uh ketamine which is a very interesting psychedelic uh and I, and I fancy myself a little bit of a psychonaut meaning you know someone who is interested right in psychedelics and I've tried them myself of course but um uh I didn't know about ketamine until only a few years ago and I tried it a few times and uh ketamine allowed me to just depersonalized to such a profound degree, Ross, that, I, you know, I remember a few instances in which I was aware that I existed, but the thought of being human was just such a distant memory. It's just, I was just like, huh, yeah, I guess I am a human being back on that blue little planet, but that, that feels like it's a million miles away right now. Like I was just way out there and wow. just completely not relating to what being a human was which was actually kind of awesome it was like a really pretty liberating experience yeah i couldn't imagine I've, I've never tried ketamine personally all my psychedelic experiences were like limited to uh lsd um i did that more than a handful of times and then shrooms um more than multiple handfuls of times but yeah, I've definitely had really profound, um, life-changing and um, awesome experiences on that. Like, although I, I choose not to use them anymore, they definitely, how do I want to phrase this? They help me like empty the recycling bin of my mind in some ways and like clear the cash of all the crap that I had built up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome because, yeah, it's, 
you know, I, I really find like there's a lot of intrinsic value in psychedelic experiences, but it's also, of course, you know, uh, hard to say how it's all going to, you know, play out for a person because we're all so different, right? I, the one thing though that I have found, Ross, is it seems like pretty much all people who are interested in trying psychedelic, you know, whether they're, you know, they just find out about acid and end up, you know, trying it that weekend or whatever, or mushrooms or whatever. It seems like for the most part, it's something positive because the person by virtue of being interested in them was sort of ready, right? So I find like there's really not, because of course, you know, when people express their concerns about it, it's always thinking of the safety and possible dangerous side effects or anything like that. But it seems like the people who are really not ready for the experience seldom find their way to it somehow. Mm. You know, it seems like, you know, when you take them, it's because you're, that's what you were meant to do, it seems. So that's why it seems to me like most of us take away these really kind of profound lessons from them. And of course, you know, people tend to say that, you know, take your pick of acid, mushrooms, uh, MDMA, which is the other thing I've tried that, that I thought was great, or, or ketamine. And of course, things like ayahuasca and the more sort of, you know, uh, intense or strong psychedelics mm -hmm. they tend to induce these like profound inner realizations but it's always sort of accompanied by this sense that yeah it's something that is uh you know something that you you will chew on for a long time something that you shouldn't necessarily ch be chasing through the drug constantly because it's more like about yourself not about the drug right mm -hmm. uh, yeah it seems like most people take the right kind of lessons from these experiences at least from what i've seen no, I, I agree. And for me, like, I haven't tripped since uh, 2011. And then after and then after that, I had my experience with mental health stuff or whatever, with psychosis that we were talking about before. And it's like, I never wanted to go back to tripping after like having to piece my mind back together from that state. But it, it is something that it's altered my life. And I'm still like you said, chewing on some of the experiences I had in psychedelics, and piecing that together and, and um, like, um, getting different bits of wisdom f from those experiences. And Joe Rogan at one point said that that was like a key human experience that people shouldn't miss out on. And I think that that's true. And I also agree with you how people that are ready for them find their way to them. Um, it's kind of like that one thing when uh, the student's ready, the master will appear, that, that kind of concept. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I've, they have extreme benefit. They can also take people down some some roads that they may not want to go down. But uh, somebody once told me that the difficult lessons taught them as much as the pleasant lessons. And that's been true for me, too. Have you had that experience also? Yeah, well, it's funny because what you just said, it's something that really... <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. You're good. <clears throat> just get a little, <clears throat> um, I, you know, that thought, what you just expressed popped to me, popped in my head in the shower earlier today for seemingly no reason, but it was just that same thought that the negative, and it's, it, I guess it kind of ties back to your first question, but it really is, we're, we're really not here just to experience the sunshine and rainbows and the beauty of life, because that's very worthwhile and very awesome, but we're really here because of the darkness, the pain, the ignorance, all of the negativity of life is a tremendously powerful valuable side of the experience so at least that was sort of what you know the thought that popped in my head and of course you asked a question relating to psychedelics but to me that can apply to really kind of 
life as a whole because it's it's really kind of what we're all here to internalize in our own way but you know because all of our life you know there's no person who's you know whose life is of course free of some degree of pain suffering right we're all gonna die so there's that right but again all these things are not intrinsically bad they're just you know the opposite of what we want right of course you know we all yeah. want to, you know feel good and be healthy and all of that and the, it's it's just that you know we're all be kind of finally beginning i think collectively as a species beginning to grasp what it is that we're doing here and why these things are sort of necessary really right why there has to be you know a completely free kind of playing field where you know really freedom really needs to be the ultimate sort of value and goal right so that freedom includes the freedom to destroy yourself you know destroy your own health you know kill each other and do all the horrible things that we do to each other but we really have to be able to do them or we wouldn't know we wouldn't really know what beauty and love and truth and all of these things are you know if if there was not the possibility to lose it all quote unquote yeah no i agree completely man yeah you need that contrast and you are you are absolutely correct that applies to life outside of psychedelic experiences. It's kind of like um, the stone that sharpens the blade. I did an episode called Honing the Blade of Humility. And I talked about how like me acting like a fool and getting uh, embarrassed by my actions is like a, a stone sharpening my blade of humility. And it's like, that's what those are. They refine the rough edges of our existence. Um, pain and misery is what has brought me to today by being like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. How can I better myself to avoid inflicting this pain on myself and on other people through my actions? Mm -hmm. I think it is a great teacher, man. Um, one of the episodes I want to do is that pain is the tuition to the school of the mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really, wow. That's a really great way to put it, man. Cause yeah, that's sort of like a, yeah, kind of a clever wordplay on what it is that we're doing, but yeah, it's you know pretty, pretty insightful as far as the yeah the nature of the experience. I think you really do get that you know all of this, and uh, of course, as you said, it's through your own ex personal experiences with you know your uh, sort of journey into yourself, right? And with with your you know psychosis diagnosis, which of course I know, like I was telling you, I think you've made the best out of, but Again, it's just something that's kind of tough to deal with because, of course, people cast their judgments. And, you know, ultimately that doesn't matter, but it's still something you have to live with, right? So no, absolutely. Yeah. That was something that was really hard for me, but it is something I have to live with people's perception of me. But then it also falls into people's perception of me as a reflection of them, which it's not always easy to remember that in the moment. But, but the thing about saying that too is it applies to me when I view somebody negatively and I'm like, oh, that's my own inner dialogue viewing them negatively. What's that say about me? <laughs> uh -huh. Well, hey, man, you, you know, I think that you definitely have that. If you have that right understanding of the balance of confidence and, and humility and how, you know, your ego is, you know, a good thing to have, but also, yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be softened by the blows of, life humbling you you know through beatings yes, that's gonna happen so yeah <laughs> yeah have you have you ever heard the alan watts thing where he said uh losing the ego is the biggest ego trip out there <laughs> no i hadn't heard that one See, we were we were just talking about that earlier he's he's really got the best quotes i should have done that in answer to your question ross on quotes i may be getting ahead of myself there but yeah alan watts really has some of the best huh he's one of my favorites i, I mean just 
just as of late, I'm sure that there's other people that have stuff and he probably pulled his stuff from other things too. I don't know. <laughs> I better get back to the next question or this interview is going to go like, it's going to be like a marathon interview. Um, yeah, no, no worries. I'm also m making my efforts to help keep, because just kind of like you just hinted at, if, if I don't watch myself, I'll start meandering. So, you know, I, I, I can do a reasonable effort of keeping us on track as well. So. <laughs> okay, man, cool. Um, did you, did you uh, wow, that's easy for me to say. Did you feel like you were different than others as a child? Yeah, that's one thing that I did always have uh, from a pretty early age. I, I, I have always had some, some, something of an awareness that I was different. Uh, one thing that I, you know, I thought I'd mention to you is just this thing that I, I would do with my eyes and, you know, kids, probably do a lot of these goofy things and you'd never know to, you know about them because they'd have to tell you right kids of course do all kinds of things that you know it's you know the life of a child but one of the things that I would do is just be looking out the window or looking at whatever and just sort of let my eyes relax in a way where I wasn't focusing on anything in particular and I would notice that everything started shifting like everything that I was seeing my field of vision would just sort of take on this weird kind of vibe to it because my eyes weren't focusing on anything anyway long story short turns out that i guess years later i learned that that is actually kind of a technique that some remote viewers or other psychics and people like this intuitives use sometimes to where where they purposely unfocus their vision and it helps them you know it helps to put them in a different state but you know i was doing this spontaneously as a kid so and you know when i sort of became aware of this i'm like yeah i'm a little weird probably <laughs> But I enjoyed it, so what the hell, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think everybody that I've interviewed on this has said that they felt different as a kid. I always thought that that would kind of be the case. It's interesting to see how that is, though. Um, are you familiar with the book, The Celestine Prophecy? I think I said that right. Yeah, Celestine Prophecy was the first book, I think. Well, not the first book, but it was the first book that at a very crucial age in my life got me kind of down the rabbit hole of, and, and I know that that book served that way it's sort of that same function for like a whole slew of people around my age you know around that time which was the mid mid to late 90s i'm gonna say really but uh, yeah the celestine prophecy was sort of the introductory tone for, for really for me and for a lot of people i know mm -hmm. they talk yeah, about I, that like vision thing in there too if i'm not mistaken in, in one of the parts mm -hmm. yeah i think you're right it's been a long time since i read it many years but i think you're right I think they talk about like being able to see like plant auras or something like that when you kind of relax your vision. I've tried to do it, but I eat, I eat meat. And they say that's one of the the pre things that'll make it more difficult for you to see the plant auras, which makes sense, I guess. Huh? Actually, that's one thing that I did kind of take on. I did gain that ability. Um, I can see auras not super strongly, but I can see them, uh, and I think it's really one thing that I think kind of triggered that for me was actually my use of psychedelics in my early 20s because I feel like that sort of wired something in my brain that maybe gave me that facility and now I can do it Ross but a lot of times it's just sort of like you know the way I'm looking at you currently in our video feed right you're in front of a background that's a pretty kind of even neutral tone mm -hmm. and that's really conducive towards seeing an aura is if the background sort of like this muted color that's kind of like, you know, even, consistent, not, you know, anything distracting back there. A lot of times if I'm looking at someone like that and my, my gaze kind of becomes 
kind of, you know, unfocused and relaxed, I'll naturally kind of see it. It'll startle me sometimes. Like I'll just sort of catch myself seeing the halo around them and I'll be like, oh shit, there, there it is. There's the aura. But uh, yeah, it's not something that I see all the time. I've seen like colors around people, but I guess I've just kind of discredited, discredited what that means. And again, it's not all the time for me either, but it is kind of like when you're tripping and you look at a light and it's dark out and you see that like rainbow of colors. Is that kind of like what you see? Yeah, yeah, it is sort of like a, yeah, kind of like a visual kind of after effect, you could call it, or or maybe, yeah, something that you would catch under a particular light or, or yeah, exactly, if the lighting is kind of, you know, usually kind of low enough, because a, a lot of times it's, you know, not when it's super bright that you see these things. Mm, that would make sense. That's interesting. I, I like how, it's just so awesome that everybody's kind of always felt different as a kid um can you think of other instances beyond like the vision thing or it was just like a general feeling throughout your whole childhood um well let me try and think i did have perceptions of other people that uh just some memories that are actually kind of fragmented and the fact that they are kind of fragmented memories from my childhood even now you know and at this point in my life makes me think that yeah, my perception, just these childhood memories make me think that my perception when I was a child was really just kind of unique, you know, something that in, in a sense, I almost kind of wish I could regain now because I was just like, how did I see the world back then? It's like, I can't quite relate to how I thought back then. It's like, mm. I just think the way I think now. And But when I try and think of how I saw things back then, it's, yeah, it's a pretty different thing. Yeah, absolutely. This is a weird thought that I've had and talking about like, trying to readjust your thinking as a child to, to think like you did as a child. Have you ever thought that where you are now influenced how you thought when you were younger in any capacity? Oh, were you saying or implying kind of like retroactively? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something that I, I, I really do think that that's a thing, if, if that makes any sense. But it's not something that I think about a lot because there's honestly, that's one of the things that starts kind of blowing my mind mm. and, and that I, I, yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. Cause there's, I'm probably like you and a lot of people I know that love to actually chew on these different things and, you know, kind of, um, you know, really pick apart all these different mysterious angles of life and, you know, think about this and that and all these, you know, out there things, but there are certain kind of, uh, sides to that whole thing or you know aspects topics i guess like this whole fact that yeah time can flow you know of course we're used to it flowing forward but it, it may also flow backwards and you know i i know i'm aware of that possibility but i really just don't know what to make of it is that's one thing that genuinely feels like really pretty out there to me not mm. to say that i don't necessarily believe it but it, it's just so kind of mind-boggling mm -hmm. yeah no i get it there's certain things where i'll think about it i'll toy around with it but like as far as act, actually diving into believing it, I can't say one way or another. And I don't want to have it fractal off into a million different ways and kind of carry me with it because I like where I'm at now. So, so. Yeah. Well, you know, exactly. I feel like, yeah, I mean, you know, for the most part, I, I have no problem kind of thinking about it, any of these things in the interest of, you know, having a conversation or, you know, just for the kind of fun of, you know, if you're that sort of person, I'm going to say it honestly, a little bit like a stoner who will like, you know, just smoke a bowl and be like, Oh, look at the, you know, trees. man. <laughs> yeah. like that. But you know, there's a lot of truth to that sort of thing, except that 
you know, I, I really only will do that so, so much because one thing that I really do love is to make things practical, practical and relatable to the here and now. So mm. I really don't really engage in too much. Like it's, it's actually fun to do this in a conversation kind of like, you know, we are doing now, but I have known people who are kind of like constantly wanting to go into the abstract and weird. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's, it's, it's only of so much interest to me. I feel like, you know, it's interesting, but so is the here and now, you know, the, this life. So I try to kind of mesh the two. I get it completely, man. I mean, I used to be really big into like conspiracies and all this out there stuff and it doesn't really serve any practical purpose and it just gives me anxiety and takes away from my ability to properly function in the current moment. So no, I get it. It's cool to think about and be like a quick little thing and then just kind of wash your hands from like, okay, now I got to go do the laundry or do the dishes or not. In this case, now I have to ask you the next question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just, okay. yeah, I was just curious. Like I thought that you would have some insight into it. I, I like how you say that you can't dive too, too far into it really. Well, you know, I feel like it's just um, kind of a balance that you strike with that as with a lot of things, because for sure there are people who, uh, will kind of compulsively av- avoid any kind of, you know, heady or abstract or out there kind of conversation. And I suppose I was just speaking to the other extreme people who seem to kind of want to do nothing but talk about aliens and, like you were saying, aliens and UFOs and conspiracy theories, but don't want to admit what's going on with them in, in their own heart. Kind of thing. Mm, yeah, it's like an a, a avoidance type thing, then escapism. Mm-hmm. yeah which i have dealt with that i did live with someone who was kind of engaging in that and that kind of helped you know orient me towards you know where i really want to be so yeah mm-hmm. um this is kind of a fun question what superpowers do you possess or what superpowers would you want mm-hmm. the superpower that when i read your question I honestly thought you know invisibility has to be the one that yeah that i would want because um, not only does it appeal to my own kind of personality as like I was telling you, you know, being a little more shy and, you know, uh, sometimes really wishing that I could make myself invisible. I have kind of thought that here and there, but also it would be fun to eavesdrop in certain, uh, you know, go to the white house or, you know, somewhere in you know the, the EU <laughs> parliament and eavesdrop on their conversations and things like that. Superpowers that I may actually have is, I think that really my kind of artistic ability or, you know, my talents with music, painting and things like that are really my superpower because they are unique to me. And that's one thing that, you know, I've been sort of, you know, I've had some big reminders of that lately that we all have, if, if we all do have superpowers, it's, it's the fact that we are so unique, right? Mm. It's, it's like our uniqueness is our superpower, you could say. So that's and, awesome. You know, yeah, I feel like in my particular case, it manifests through music, of course, and through art, but we're all different. So, I think that's I think that's really a good outlook on personal superpowers is that we all have them. Um, sometimes I, I, I know for myself, there was things that I had that like I just viewed as so basic and normal about me that I thought everybody had them that I never perceived them as such. But now, like I'm like, oh, maybe that is kind of my superpower, like. I'm good at like reading people or or whatever, like somewhat um, from being empathic. 
but I just used to think everybody could do that. And like, now I'm starting to realize, no, that that's not the case. And then I'm also like, in psychology, they talk about different things like that. And it's like, I kind of feel that psychic abilities are proven in psychology, but sometimes people, um, I'm trying to maybe overemphasize what they think they should be as opposed to how they really are practical in the real world, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like you're kind of getting at the fact that psychic ability is in, in a way, these are my words, but you tell me if I'm onto something, it's like a lot more mundane and everyday of a thing than a lot of us think, you know, that we just do it all the time, really, in a, in a sense. No, I think that that's no, that was exactly what I was trying to articulate. Um, I think, and I understand that I don't understand every psychic power, but I think that it is kind of more simplistic and mundane, as you said, than like magic. Magic happens all the time. Have you ever heard the analogy of like the making the sandwich or whatever, how that's a form of magic? Where it's like, I want the sandwich, I'm going to make it, now I eat the sandwich. Yeah, and it's like, I think that is true to an extent. Not to say that higher things don't exist from from that level, but... I think that people consciously participate in that stuff more so than they're aware of, I guess. Yeah, that's one in magic. The fact that you brought up that word, actually, magic. I I like that you did that because that's one thing that I share with Brandon. And that's one thing that I know he's really big into, of course, is, and of course, I'm talking about Brandon Beecham of the Positive Head Podcast, right? Mm -hmm. But um, he's he's like a child when it comes to that. And it's so endearing, right? He gets so giddy about magic, but that's one thing that, you know, he's just in touch with that very childlike sense of wonder about magic. And the thing is that that's helped keep that sort of mindset and vibe present in my life, I feel like. And the fact that you just brought up the the term now, and also the, the idea that, yeah, magic is something that is present in our everyday lives in ways that are, you know, kind of startling to really realize sometimes. And it's something that I think is really awesome. But I, the one thing I did want to say is that I think it's mundane, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, kind of like disposable, you know, just because something is mundane or maybe it's just, maybe that's not the right word, but something can be both mundane and extraordinary at the same time. Is I guess what I'm trying to say, because you could think of, you know, a grain of sand as being that, right? Like, you know, like you were saying, eating a sandwich is, or making a sandwich is, is magical. Well, it's both very mundane and ordinary, but mm-hmm. it's also magical in its essence. So I think that's what it is, is that there's so much that appears completely ordinary and it's anything but. And appearances, that's one big thing with me. Appearances are very deceiving. Appearances are only a very small part of any story. So, you know, a lot, a lot of everyday magic is disguised as just completely ordinary things i suppose you could say yeah we're just like so used to it like a, a fish doesn't see water just as like we don't think about air because we're always in that element so we're just very acclimated to magic and w- when you were explaining how it's mundane but extraordinary i thought that that was really profound and it has like this um duality that's inherent in it and I- i'm very big about like breaking out of duality in lots of ways so it's like we look at it at the mundane part of making the sandwich or, or the, the grain of sand or whatever. But then when you think about what the grain of sand is in relation to things, it's very um, extraordinary. But then when you pull out even further and think of the fact that we're on this little pebble floating through space or whatever it is, 
and there's this sandwich or this grain of sand that we did whatever with that's like the extra <laughs> extraordinary you know and it's like it reunites it into that that uh, extraordinary it's just mundane because we kind of take it for granted but it is it's mundane and not like i think that that's so awesome yeah now now i, I did definitely get thinking uh ross about carlos castaneda because mm -hmm. you may of course you may have heard of him and you know you mentioned your interest in shamanism to me that's sort of the intersection of all these things right shamanism magic which of course i guess is a part of that but i think that in one of his books it may have been even the you know the don juan book But I think he echoes something like this, and he, he does talk about the sort of everyday magic that you have to put yourself in a certain frame of mind to perceive. It's something that you have to sort of be looking for and also, you know, learn to recognize through the appearance of something ordinary. See, see past the facade of something that appears one way and see the magical thing underneath it or behind it. Mm. But yeah, I, th I think that Don Car or, or Carlos and Don Juan may have echoed something like this. If not, you know, It's always a good time to go back and check out those books. Yeah, actually, I just ordered uh, that book two weeks ago. I just got it in the mail. And you're the second guest in two weeks that's mentioned uh, Carlos Castaneda and Don Juan. I got uh, the Yaki Way of Knowledge, so I'm so looking forward to diving back into that and reading it again. It was such a, a, a good time before. Um, my life experiences now, from then till now, may have uh, prepared me to, to get different things from the book this time as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you're thinking along those lines, Ross, what you just said will probably be the case because that happens. That's like the perfect sort of precursor to that experience. It's like if you think, yeah, I have changed. So I'm expecting that things are going to look a little different to me now. Yeah. That's almost guaranteed to be the case, I would say. Mm. Yeah. That's one thing that I've really enjoyed about reading some of the books I've always loved is when I read them a year later, five years later, or whatever. There's still the parts that I like stand out, but sometimes those same sentences can have completely different meanings. And it's the same story, but it's completely different to how it applies to my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have had that experience myself, man. And uh, it's something that it was a little surprising to me the first time uh, it happened. But yeah, it was quite a few years ago that, yeah, I recall, I remember having that exact same experience, reading a book that I thought was good and then reading it again sometime later, you know, something like a year, two, two years later and, you know, upgrading it from book from, I mean, from a good book to just stone cold classic, just going like, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't see this or get this the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting how different life experiences like prepare you to, to learn different lessons. And then like all those experiences culminate into like something completely different. I mean, even like understanding different forms of symbolism or esotericism or like hermeticism, things like that. When I read books now, I'm like, holy crap, this is what this is actually referencing. Or I put that filter on it and it gives it a different profound thing. I don't know. It's, it's so, so intriguing to me how the mind works and how these classic tales have multiple different ways to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. Have you ever you read any? What's that? No, it was just, uh, I'll, I'll tell you in a second, but w what were you going to ask me? No, you can, you can go first. It's all good. Well, what I was going to tell you is that it just occurred to me that that may be really your superpower because, you know, from everything that I've gotten talking to you now, I get that, like, you, you know, you definitely seem intellectually curious to read all these different books and, you know, things like, and understand, you know, really the nuts and bolts of the mystery, I guess, you know, take that peek behind the curtain. 
but you're also really, I get that you're naturally good at synthesizing that information and making it just something that, you know, yeah, you can share with your podcast audience. You can explain it in a very sort of succinct way in a, in a very, that's it's really not that easy. Uh, I come to realize to kind of distill this knowledge in a way that you can share with people and have it be useful to, to others. You know what I mean? I, I have known a lot of people who are really, I guess, smarter, a lot smarter than me, but I felt like they were kind of trapped in this kind of like I was saying earlier, this dimension of very abstract kind of out there thinking. And you do a great job of kind of, you know, connecting all the dots. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That's one of the things that's, um, been important for me and my podcast is like trying to tie these things together like um one of the episodes i did was about real life the reality of, of monsters or something like that and i went through vampires and talked about emotional vampires and i went through zombies and talked about like i mean the zombie one is i think more evident to people um but just how there's all these brain dead people and like how one of the ways that the zombies survive is like eating brains. And I'm like, if you look at some of the ways that brain dead people are, they, they try to eat your quote unquote brain by the way they um, share information or things. I don't know. It was just, or werewolves, like mm-hmm. how these people change from one thing to another. Like I've been that way emotionally where emotionally I can be one way. And then the next time, a werewolf, quote unquote. But like, no, I, I appreciate that compliment, man. That uh, um, that makes me feel good that I'm I'm able to uh, navigate that. I never even really thought of that, I guess. <laughs> so. Well, what what I think is really awesome though is that you know it's that's something that I've just sort of uh, perceived now. But I would say even if, uh, of course, that's just my opinion, but. Even if that wasn't the case, you should still just do your thing for the other reasons that we were talking about before, just to put yourself out there. I recognize the value in that and sort of deciding that you have something to say, you know, even though you wouldn't have thought that you did two, three years ago. Mm. That whole idea that, you know, you can actually contribute something, even if it's just talking about things that interest you, you know, that are of interest to you, right? Because, yeah, your point of view can actually be beneficial to someone else. But like, yeah, like I was saying, that's sort of the cherry, cherry on top of the cake. Because even if, it's, if it was just for you, if you were just doing it just to sort of, you know, process your own stuff in your life, then that would be good enough, I would say. No, absolutely. That's the thing. Like, I had an issue, um, I don't know, a month ago or a couple of weeks ago where like, I was like, this isn't growing how I would like it to. Like, I should be reaching more people. And then I realized... I'm reaching exactly how many people I should be from where I'm at at this stage. And it's not so much about how many people I reach. It's about how many people get something from what I'm doing and how I get something from what I'm doing. It's not about the numbers of anything, really. I mean, I could have a bunch more listeners and be less successful in what my thing is, which is trying to help people think differently about stuff and come up with their own ways of thinking about things. I don't know. Like, it's such an interesting experience to go through all of it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, it is because now I have a you know a little bit of a window into the world that you have decided to join, which is this crazy world of podcasting, and you know, especially podcasts like these where we you know get into the juicy topics that we, of course, are fascinated by. That you know, <laughs> some people might roll their eyes at, but. Um, no, it's, I think it's awesome because 
there, it, it's something that I really can't take for granted. There really needs to be more of it out there. And uh, yeah, I think that in a, in a way we're kind of helping. It, one of the things that I know we're doing is helping make other people more comfortable with these ideas because for a lot of people that, you know, haven't necessarily had the, you know, I guess support from their circle of peers, you know, people who find themselves in places where just speaking out on any of these things will get them, you know, almost into trouble, you could say, right? You know, I, I know because I've seen the, the comments on the Positive Head page that some people are really um, kind of vicariously, you could say, living through us or, or at least getting to explore these topics through our conversations, you know, like the ones that Brandon has and that I have and you and I are having now. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's kind of crazy is that it, it isn't just for our own amusement and benefit, but it actually might help someone even work through their issues crazy as that may seem because yeah i really have i only have a very abstract understanding of that but i also see the comments that people make and that's the takeaway no i mean i know from my personal experience you're in brandon's conversations um because i started listening a couple weeks before you ended up um going back back home or whatever and you guys really helped me at a very um difficult time in my life and really helped me um it changed my life in lots of ways. I don't listen to it nearly as much as I'd like to now, but you guys have um, greatly impacted where I'm at today. Um, more so than, than I think Brandon will ever know, or that you could ever know. Even Nixie Marie helped me a lot as well. And it's like, I've had people tell me similar things and I'm like, I'm, (laughs) I'm just me doing my thing. Like I, I, I like to talk about this three second exchange I had when I lived in Humboldt. I was like really depressed and hung over and I was walking through the community forest in Arcata and uh, I was just down and there was this dude sitting on the stump and he said, smile, dude, you're in California. And I was like, oh yeah, I am. And I just like smiled and like it changed my whole reality. Mm-hmm. That happened, that was three seconds, probably seven, eight years ago. And I still talk about it today. So it's like, people never realize how much people can impact them, especially when it's just like a quick little exchange like that. And talking about stuff like this is crucial, man. I I live in Youngstown, Ohio, Um, not the bastion for like free thinking, like, like expansive topics like this. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I get to talk about this stuff and I get to interact with people that are on the same wavelength and it makes me feel comfortable and, I don't know, man. It's, it's just a cool experience and knowing that it can help other people. Like it's so surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, that's a great point you just made about it being also something that, you know, doesn't need to be lengthy. You know, of course, just a three, five second, you know, interaction can, can be enough. Right. But uh, it's, it's just kind of weird because it, you just made a good point, but at the same time, I kind of see, um, that yeah, maybe in Ohio, I, I kind of have an idea of what you mean about you know people, a certain kind of mindset in your locality, right, where you live. You know, people. Some people, of course, will be receptive, but a lot of people will laugh or roll their eyes or, or just ignore it, right? And I know that our the, the numbers of people, you know, like-minded people, generally like-minded like us, are growing. But um, I know that we're really still, you know, the minority and just about anywhere you go. I mean, even in Southern California, where it seems like there's a lot more, it seems like there's a lot more of like-minded people like ourselves. And there are, but it's, 
that could only really be in, in part a function of there being so many people there. You know, it's mm -hmm. like if you could have, I, I guess I'm trying to say, if you crunch the numbers, you would see that the percentage is still kind of small. So I, that makes sense. I think also too that part of the reason that people are so dispersed in in that kind of sense is because it's easier for that kind of mindset to get spread out. Because if it was all centralized, then it wouldn't be evenly dispersed i guess not that it's necessarily even but you know what i mean like you don't plant all your seeds in one seed hole in, in a garden and expect to have the whole garden fill up i guess right yeah in fact the way you just explained it the opposite might be really what you would you know typically find more which is i guess what the you know the, the thing that you would expect to find obviously you think you know there's been you know socioeconomic studies done on what the different cultural mindsets whatever right but of course you know if you go to ohio you have certain conditions that all come together to make the people think a certain way and then same here for this part of chile where i live and same for southern california but um but yeah you can i guess predict more a, a lot more how people will think than you can predict these kind of outliers of people who are you know outside the norm and their mindset and you know maybe sometimes way outside the norm Mm -hmm. I had a really interesting experience and I'll get back to the questions. I'm sorry for keeping going off on these tangents. Um, when I was in California and I was in psychosis, I, I was getting ready to move back home and I was really terrified about it. Um, and I had this vision of part of the reason I had to come back home was to share some of what I gained and kind of spread the love. And I thought about how this area is the heartland and this might not make sense to some people, but like, it was very scary for me. And I thought I was going to have all these difficulties um, coming back here. Sure enough, I moved back here. Um, and, and if I looked at what I'm doing now, I'm back in the heartland and I'm sharing a lot of what I've learned from my travels, from different experiences. And I kind of am bringing my vibe to the area that I'm in. I've helped with like art events or things like that for people with mental health. Um, Cause I paint and stuff like that. But like, I, I really ended up doing <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what I thought I would do in psychosis. It's not to the extreme thing where like I'm not the Messiah in Ohio, <laughs> but um, it's interesting how that played out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, yeah. I feel like I understood what you said, even though, of course, you just gave kind of like a succinct explanation of what, what that whole thing is. But I relate a lot to that because I may have engaged in the same kind of process by coming back home right because i came from the u.s to chile so and you know even though my country is very far very far south very far away from everything it, it does represent me coming back to my heartland in a sense right so it does represent that same sort of journey to some to a place that is very much home in a, in a sense and uh i i think that i am also kind of doing what you said because i i did bring all the things that i am and my mindset that I've you know developed over all these years but I find that yeah it's it's something that I have to I have to believe it's worthy of being shared because not so much because I'm right and yeah, everyone should think like me right but because if I if I have learned anything of value then the, the only thing to do now is to share it right I feel like that's the next logical thing to do right so yeah you can only keep what you have by giving it away in terms of wisdom so yeah and actually something like that isn't a value unless you share it i, was, I suppose because if, if you don't then it just sits there and it doesn't do anything so 
yeah, if you're not using it, you lose it too. So it's like, plus there's always going to be people that'll resonate with you. And you don't seem like the type of person that's going to try to make a Dalian clone. You're going to try to teach somebody to be who they are, which is what more people need, I think, because everybody wants to be somebody else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And actually, if if there is one kind of takeaway out of any kind of conversation like this that you may have with anyone or people may have with their, their friends and relatives, I, I suppose that really should be it because the way you just said it kind of, you know, drove the point home for me that so many of us now, especially now, I'll, I'll say because, you know, given the kind of relevant uh, global climate, right, with the U.S., you know, in the current administration, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to reference like that, right, but of course that has a lot of people kind of concerned, right, and people are just generally concerned about the state of affairs in the world regardless, right, because of you know, things that have carried on for decades. But if there's one thing that we could really give each other as a huge gift is the, the ability to think in a new way, even, even, you know, not necessarily tell each other what to think, but how to think differently really is mm-hmm. it's the thing that's needed more. I agree completely, man. Like one of the leads into my podcast is I don't want to tell you what to think, but to get you to think and originally articulate yourself in a way that is uplifting. <laughs> exactly. Like- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, you may have heard about this too, Ross, but Brandon got a negative review that he read uh, on the podcast. And I was actually kind of chuckling when I, when I heard it because the, the person was so kind of, uh, they gave him one star and gave him a really pretty scathing review that where they were kind of clearly projecting something, you know, it's really the only kind of conclusion you can draw from that, kind of accusing him and myself of brainwashing people. But it's just hard to brainwash people when we all think the way that we do because of our own idiosyncratic reasons, right? I couldn't brainwash another human being even if I tried because they're only going to believe what they're already sort of inclined to So you were talking about the uh, the review and how it was like the person projecting. Yeah, it, it, but I, I guess that's what I was trying to share is that this person was accusing us of brainwashing others and, you know, nothing could be really further from his intention. I know Brandon's intention, of course, is not to brainwash, but exactly do what you were just saying, just to share, you know, things that he finds interesting with other people, but just to get people thinking, right, is, mm-hmm. is the just to get people thinking critically always and with you know of course plenty of healthy skepticism but definitely an open mind that's you know those are things that for a lot of people it's actually pretty tricky really learning how to do right i mean some of us kind of find them more natural naturally easy to be kind of fair-minded right but for some of us some of us have been indoctrinated our whole lives right by our culture religion right politics and it, it can be difficult to break away from that. So I, I try not to take that sort of thing for granted either. No, absolutely. I, I mean, so many people talk about indoctrination starting at, at like education level or whatever, but it really starts as soon as you're born because they give you a name or religion, like all this stuff. And your parents have the best intentions, absolutely, but they've already been indoctrinated by culture. And then they're pushing these cultural ideologies on you from from womb to grave basically until you kind of wake up to it yeah i i didn't hear the negative review that this person uh, had shared i haven't been listening to the podcast as much because i'm so busy (laughs) 
but I need well, to listen yeah. to it more. No, it's like you were saying, there's just so much content, you know, being put out too. And like, like we were just sort of chuckling there for a second. Brandon's honestly a bit crazy to be putting out five episodes a week, but uh, it's no, it's actually really awesome because we can do it. But at the same time, we realize that it's kind of, kind of a lot. I mean, it, it really is kind of a lot even for us. <laughs> and we're the ones producing the content. But uh, no, yeah, that's that's exactly it. That's you know, I thought I thought it was cool that he, of course, he shared a negative review to just to switch it up. But also the, Absolutely. you know, it was just so kind of clearly projection, I suppose you could say, and especially that sort of projection of us kind of brainwashing people when, again, like I said, it's not only the opposite of our intention, but you know, it's kind of hard. It was just kind of hard for me to see how someone could think that. But again, you know. Yeah, I've heard the phrase, if you think you're corrupted, you already are. <laughs> or think, if you think you can be corrupted, you already are. And right. I don't think brainwashing is as prevalent as some people would like to think that it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, actually, I guess that's that's a good point, too, because you, in a, in a way, kind of said, hey, you know, uh, it's it's fine to rail against you know this kind of brainwashing but what about this other kind of brainwashing that we're subjected to every day right that can the kind of brainwashing that a lot of us don't see you know what i mean so yeah yeah absolutely i, I try to avoid i mean one of the things when i was psychotic is i thought that people did try to brainwash me because i had watched so much conspiracy crap and have you ever studied etymology at all of different words like uh i'm i'm generally interested in it a little bit yeah if I'm not mistaken, entertainment means to contain within. And I was like into conspiratainment in, in lots of ways. So I'm containing all this crap in myself. And then, like, I talked about psychedelics being like a psychic purge. And I really think that psychosis was like that for me, too, where it like made all this stuff kind of very real for me. But it was like my brain clearing that stuff out. And I've come to the realization now that. I don't need to feed into a lot of that stuff because I'll start believing it. So, <laughs> yes, yes, that's well said. Exactly. People brainwash themselves. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I do definitely try to be careful with what I give my attention to these days. I definitely, definitely try to. Um, I mean, I, I, that's one thing that I kind of wish my mom, for example, would do so much. It's like, you know, since coming back home to live with her, I, you know. Plenty of times I'll go into her room and see her watching TV and watching the news and kind of yelling at the television even a couple times. And I'm thinking, you know, just turn it off. Don't, you know, don't give so much of your attention to that. You know, mm -hmm. what, what are they doing but presenting, presenting a certain point of view that is crafted to, to, in a sense, it's designed to push your buttons, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, they want to give you talking points and get an emotional reaction and people talk about not following the mainstream media, but then they think that they can follow alternative media or whatever, but alternative media is just as potentially misleading as me. It's like, shut off the TV and go outside and look at what's going on in the world. Like not right. to say that you can, you have to be aware, but it kind of is like um, you talked about like squinting your eyes when you were younger, you have to kind of just see the vague outlines of, of what's there and not dive into the finer details of people selling you a certain opinion i guess yeah, yeah absolutely I, th I think that we're kind of on the same page there because you know my mom and of course a lot of other people will say in response to the whole specifically comments about the news or watching the news they'll be like well i need to be informed and 
my response is usually something like, well, what, what is that information that you, that you're seeking out? Is it quality information or are you just taking on whatever they give you kind of thing? Right. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's just talking points and projecting whatever side of the thing. Journalism is really largely dead. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I'll have to agree, but, uh, I, there may be some, some hope still. No, I, I think that that's a fair point. I think that's a lot healthier position because there are still real um, journalists out there that are presenting real information. Um, I better try to get back <laughs> to the questions or we'll be here all day, um, which I, I actually wouldn't mind, but I'm sure you have stuff to do. Right. Yeah. No, let's exactly. Let's do it because, uh, yeah, we can we can happily continue on this, you know, very kind of eclectic conversation, but we have to try and contain it if we can, right? So, yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> um, what circumstances do you feel shaped your life? I would have to say, Ross, that moving to the U.S., of course, was a very formative experience for me. For me, the thing that made it so critically uh, impactful was moving there when I was 19, man, and also having the sort of uh, big opening of, I, I guess you could call it, you know, the spiritual breakthrough, right? moving to a whole nother country like the U.S. from South America at that age, and also at the same time beginning to try psychedelics and think about, you know, spiritual subjects, reading certain books, talking to certain people. Those two things came together for me in a way where it was just, uh, a, you know, like an atomic bomb beyond what I could have realized. Because, of course, just a cultural shock, you could say, right? Just that huge change would have been enough of, and I'm sure it was, but kind of compounding that was the fact that I was having my kind of spiritual awakening, you could say. And it's something that just kind of begun when I, because it's not anything that just happened and now I'm awake, right? It's not like an experience that is, is over with. It's an ongoing process. But uh, yeah, those two things, moving to America and, um, you know, doing my first tab of acid and, you know, all, all of that just kind of expanded my horizons beyond what I could have hoped. I could, I could definitely see that. I know travel for me has been, uh, I think it was Terrence McKenna that said travel is like a psychedelic experience. So, so traveling and doing psychedelics like, like yourself, um, those are definitely things that have shaped my life for the better. Ultimately I travel around, around a lot, although I didn't have like that, that culture shock. Um, still every state I've lived in has been completely different in the way that, things are set up it's not as an extreme culture shock but those are definitely i can see how that would do that um what positive lessons did you learn from your negative experiences um i guess it would be something kind of like what i said earlier regarding negativity in general because i have come to to realize that my own darkness my own personal darkness is also my power so, you know, it's not something that, again, I'm not fully done with that because it's something that I continue to, you know, process and understand and explore, you know, every day. But it's this awareness. And, and I guess the, the thing is that that's a realization that just really kind of came together for me, Ross, only a few years ago. So, you know, maybe 20 years ago, you could have explained that to me in some sort of abstract sense and I would have understood what you meant. But of course, to just understand the words that someone's explaining to you or saying, you know, an idea that someone tells you and to actually live it, you know, in a very profound way, especially if you're talking about, 
you know, all these kind of deep, petty, potentially, you know, dense and dramatic things like, you know, dealing with, you know, in your case, mental illness, in my case, something very much like that depression, right? Which, like I was telling you, is uh, a bit of a family condition. Um, you, you know, you come near, that's the point that I hope everyone would get to, but I feel like I got to that point eventually at some point. I got to the, to the point where I knew that my my pain and my sort of joy in life were completely interrelated that you know one was the other coin side of the coin of the other that there weren't two two separate coins but that were one in the same mm. and so i continue to just kind of try and deepen my understanding of that every day to to really kind of dive into my own negativity and darkness and transmute it into whatever i can right so no that's real alchemy there no i get it man Facing my shadow has been one of the uh, most beneficial things. It's a little messy at times. And yeah. I get some shit on myself, but uh, it's definitely um, one of the best things that I've done. I think it was Joseph Campbell who said that basically that's where the light is, is in the heart of your darkness. <laughs> Absolutely. And when, you know, that reminded me of the tool lyrics, because I'm into all kinds of different music. We've talked about a little bit about music, but. Um, I've liked the band Tool for a long time, right? And even really beyond the music, which honestly Tool's music now, it's like, hey, you know, I kind of like it still, but, you know, musically, I don't, I'm not that excited by them anymore. But I've always had huge respect, of course, for Maynard's, Maynard James Keenan's lyrics, right? Especially this sort of brave um, way in which he's chosen to kind of, you know, explore some of these themes because he's, you know, in some of his lyrics, he'll, he'll talk about, you know, deep insecurity, some of his darkness that he's chosen to, you know, kind of reveal in his lyrics, you know, traumatic experiences that he's gone through. But there's a guy who, you know, in the context of a really heavy rock band, of course, will talk about, you know, emotional catharsis and kind of doing shadow work. Actually, he talks about the shadow self, right, in one of his songs. And, you know, 18, 20 years ago, hearing that in you know, the context of a rock band helped me kind of process a lot of this shit myself, right? And, and you know, shadow work, of, of course, is, you know, just to, just to use those words, shadow work is probably what we're all here to do, I, I think. Not something you have to do because it is scary and painful, but, you know, but it, that is a great opportunity that we're here to sort of take advantage of. Mm-hmm. No, I like how you mentioned course, Tool. I like Tool. I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, and I, I said, and of course, I mean, all of us here, human beings on planet Earth, that's what we're trying to do. But yeah, that's that's one thing about Tool that I've always had sort of, it's, it's the reason why, even though, like I said, their music doesn't quite do it for me anymore. But yeah, I, I've always loved that band for that reason. Yeah, I don't listen to them anymore either. But um, I was in, in one group and somebody was talking about how good they are at kind of awakening people through music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I do that. I do think that that's very true. Listening, look, like looking at their songs now, because back in the, I didn't catch on to that back in the day. Um, what philosophy, spirituality, or religions do you find most align with your understanding? And please explain them as they apply to you. Uh, these would have to be what um, most apply to me because of my kind of personal history. Because when I moved to the U.S when I had only been there for a couple of years, someone invited me, uh, Ross, to a Taoist ceremony, 
and it was actually what turned out to be my third eye opening ceremony. They explained to me what that whole, you know, entailed, what that whole process entailed at, at the time. But again, it was just sort of scratching the surface of what the experiences actually turned out to be. It's like an ongoing thing that I can't really even hardly put into words sometimes. But uh, essentially, my introduction to Taoism led me to kind of propel me further down my spiritual path. And so for that reason, I guess that Taoism and the very, I guess you could say, closely related philosophy or religion of Buddhism, right? Mm-hmm. Those two, Taoism is older, of course, and a lot of, they share a lot of kind of history and even some myths and traditions, right? But um, I would have to say that Taoism and Buddhism align most closely with who I am for, for a number of reasons, but especially because I was sort of initiated into Taoism. And like I said, it just, you know, kind of, had a profound effect in my life that I kind of even partially understand, to be honest. Now it's like they explained that they were opening my third eye. And of course that sounds like, Ooh, you know, sounds intriguing. Uh, but, uh, what does that really even mean? You know, I'm still kind of answering that, piecing that answer together. So, yeah. Um, I, I definitely relate to Taoism. Um, I, I've only recently within the past year investigated Taoism. Um, and it's something that's really helped me profoundly on my journey because then I can see everything as a process and not, um, individual parts, or it helps me, um, transcend the duality of things because it's all just the mystery or the way or whatever you want to call it. Um, and Buddhism too has been something that really helps me, um, because of the detachment element of, of that. And I haven't really studied either of them in depth. Um, I've only really scratched the surface of those philosophies or, or whatever they really are. Um, but the benefit from even just that has been fundamentally life-changing, <laughs> like beyond words. Yeah, that's how awesome they are. And I have to kind of like you just did clarify that, yeah, I really don't. Aside from being initiated in a very kind of, again, kind of superficial way, I have not, you know, delved deeply. I, I didn't become a Buddhist per se, right? And I really have only read a couple of books and, you know, like, like you, uh, my interest is sort of superficial and casual, you know, not, not meaning a bad thing, of course, but, uh, but yeah, it's just what aligns with me naturally. Uh, I guess the other side of that coin, and of course I I could ask you as well. I, I imagine you were raised in some sort of Protestant denomination here in Latin America. Catholicism is really the main strand of Christianity, right? That most people are likely to sort of be raised in so it was my, my parents were never very religious people so we were, we were very casual catholics very you know much wants to go to church on you know easter and christmas twice a year mm-hmm. so but um of course because for, for a lot of us in the western world it's some form of christianity that leads us to to the kind of eastern philosophies right mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. yeah, i didn't really have any religion um in my life really growing up uh after my parents divorced, my dad took me to a church down the road from us a couple of times. And I was like, no, nah, I'd rather stay at home and play Nintendo. <laughs> was he was like, oh, okay, sure. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And then um, my stepmother was uh, Serbian Orthodox and I checked out um, their religion a couple of times, but I've always been like an overthinker in lots of ways. And I couldn't understand a lot of concepts of religion because they didn't make sense to me. And then with the way that certain religions 
acted historically or the way that people within those religions reacted, I was like, well, crap, I don't want, I don't want to follow this path. Yeah. I can't, I can't in good conscience endorse your fate, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Being, being any kind of a thinking human being, exactly. You, you can't help but come to that conclusion, right? Especially if you're looking at some form of Christianity. I, I guess it, it would be hard to find that same kind of fault in Buddhism because they go out of their way to be nonviolent and, you know, non mm-hmm. anything aggressive, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you, man. I mean, as a Catholic, it's, it seems especially easy to see through the folly and foibles of the church, the Catholic church, of course. But yeah, Christianity in general is kind of, it's, it's not something that will hold if you, if you, yeah, if you become much of a critical thinker, really. So mm-hmm. yeah. that there aren't some truths to the, to the faith, of course. No, I mean, I definitely think there's true. And, and a lot of the major religions, I think that they all kind of, um, talk about similar concepts and different words and, and different metaphors, different allegories or whatever. Um, and one of the things that I really had to struggle with was realizing like overcoming my own religious prejudice towards certain religions, especially like Christianity or Catholicism and not labeling everybody that follows them as like bad or this or that. And it was like, that was hard for me to do after like, the way that I perceive things because there genuinely are good people in there and there's misled people. They're just people, I guess. But like, that was so hard for me to do is to peel away that label that I put on myself and how I defined that. But uh, I still fall into it sometimes, but I do my best to just be like other yeah, people. They got good intentions. Some of them, some of them don't, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to religion, I don't, I don't, I really can't fault anyone for getting a little, I mean, Bill Maher, the you know comedian, right, and talk show guy. Um, of course, he came out with a movie, Religious, mm-hmm. a few years ago. Where it, it, did you ever see it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw it one time, I think, too. So, uh, if you're inclined to think like him, you know, you will find that very, you know, entertaining and kind of along the lines of the way you think too. But I, I, I try to do what you just said exactly. I try to, I try to not <laughs> get too, you know, hardcore on people because I do see that as sort of their prerogative you know even though it can be hard to be like how can you believe that stupid shit sometimes when you that's all you want to (laughs) say to someone right but hey you know it's it's like you i try to sort of be mindful that it's people you know Mm -hmm. not sheep actually even though they may (laughs) behave like sheep sometimes but yeah yeah if that's what they need uh, to get through their day i I guess more power to them I, i mean if they start hurting people i feel that there's um punishment in the action of acting that way in itself so me judging them and being a prick to them isn't going to resolve it it's just going to soil my own self so (laughs) well said exactly (laughs) thank you um what do you perceive as your life's purpose Ooh, my life's purpose it would really the only way that i know how to answer now that question would be to to just put out my art and um and or things that I have to share with the world, right? Like conversations like these. Because I don't think that there's really any other grander purpose for me other than, um, you know, what how important it is for me to live my life because I'm the, you know, little miniature god of my own universe. Like you are the creator of your own universe. So your journey is all important to you. But I mean, you know, I don't mean anything negative by this, but it really doesn't, it's not important to anyone else, right? So, I get it. you know, that's the thing about being a human being that's such a trip is that 
there, there are definitely a lot of things in our lives that are only really relevant to ourselves and that will never even, I guess, be known by others. But that's only one dimension. And then on the other dimension of the reality we get to live in, we get to share, right? So much of our experience in ourselves. And so I guess that's that purpose. The way I understand that now is just to share my music, my drawings and paintings and my thoughts. So. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I, I'm right on that path with you, man. Um, so I, I completely get it. And I think that although people might not recognize it, the energetic force of the universe is like, yeah, go, like, go you, I get it, you know? And I think that that kind of ripple effect in the universe, I think that it, you like leave an imprint on that and it gives you like, gives you a trophy or whatever, a universal etheric trophy for, for finding yourself and pursuing what you want to do in a healthy way to help people. Yeah, well said. I think, I think that that is like tapping into your, your power. So I guess if power and purpose go together in any kind of a fashion, then I, that's how it would put them together, the way you just explained. Well, yeah, I think that that really is is the way to, to do it. Um, for me too, I found that realizing I'm powerless is the ultimate power really in lots of ways. And like by kind of realizing I'm just one little drop in a bucket and I'm gonna, but I'm still gonna make my art. I'm still gonna do my podcast. I'm still gonna do this. And it doesn't really matter. Like, like I talked about, feeling I wasn't successful enough or whatever that I mean it matters then because <laughs> I'm just doing what I do mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm being a raw Cessna at this moment <laughs> exactly but there's there's that holistic way of thinking that you have again though man because that's that's a more expanded honestly you know that's the way I see it now is a more expanded way of looking at things I would I would have been happy to just sort of talk to you or answer that question from sort of one angle but you immediately kind of take that and see the whole other complementary side of that and, you know, talk about how, yeah, of course, as human beings, we are powerful. And if you look at any kind of spirituality or spiritual teaching, it'll, it'll kind of try and show you what the ultimate human power is, which is actually quite large creative power that we have, right? But the other side of that coin is that we are tiny and we are these momentary specs in this huge universe right so that power we know that our human power is limited but it's also limitless so it's that paradox of how is it yeah exactly i, th I think i know what you're saying but i just thought i'd point that out that <laughs> if, if any of your listeners um want further sort of insights from you on this that's plenty of reason for you to keep doing your podcast because you can give them a different angle of this thing like every every time and it's not something that a lot of people necessarily know or see, you know, at first brush anyways. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I just say what comes out. And I hope it makes sense to other people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that was my attempt at making sense of it. But again, I think you did. Yeah. No, I got what you meant. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Then that would have been uh, <laughs> my success in taking what you said and trying to really, yeah, distill that more holistic way of you know that that i think is really awesome and it's something that i really try and do myself is to always i suppose always see the other side of oh oh you know always know that there's more to any story and always be sort of ready to see that more right to find it and look for it etc so. mm -hmm. yeah you got to follow follow the evidence where it leads <laughs> not to stop at the the fluffy nice bits but also not to stop at the crap <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well said.
Um, I guess what do you do? What do you need to do to feel that you were working towards that goal? I, I guess you kind of answered it by saying what you are you doing, but I'll give you the option to answer that if you want. Uh, yeah, that would be the answer to that is to just um, yeah, just to share it. Although I guess I will circle through that again real quick though because we were talking about that before and we both were kind of echoing each other's sort of perspective and, I, and th that's the reason why I want to say this is that I know a lot of people feel this way a lot of people who aren't Brandon Beecham of the Positive Head podcast will be a little more insecure about sharing their thoughts and feelings and will feel trepidation at putting themselves out there and I would think that they never do and in, in, in my mind it seems like there's almost no good reason to hold back when it when it comes to something like this you know when it comes to sharing what you think is important or, or what you're really passionate about so yeah just just to push myself to you know go outside of my comfort zone and put myself out there and do it even though I might be scared shitless which you know I'm not completely scared shitless but a part of me is right so it's just pushing in spite of those reservations no, I, I get that, man. Um, if you had to describe your personal philosophy or condense your life experiences into a few words, what would it be? Ooh, okay. Condense my life experience or philosophy. I guess that's, that's where I'm at right now. So I would circle once again back around to the fact that uh, everything dark or negative in life is the light in a different form. So everything is light ultimately but we wouldn't know that unless some things were not light how is that even possible if everything's light that's a great mystery right but i think that that is where i'm at right now is trying to marry and blend and integrate those two the you know the darkness and light you know anything painful with anything joyful uh transmute the crap into gold all of that good thing good yeah stuff. divine union and alchemical process and all, all of those things no, that's awesome, man. I've always liked to look at, I shouldn't say always, recently, within the past year, I've come to the conclusion that I like to look at light as like, the light and dark is a dimmer switch where they're all unified on the switch. And <laughs> that makes so much more sense to me than like thinking of them as opposites. But I understand some people can't see it that way yet, uh, but they'll get there when they're supposed to. Exactly. That That is much more like the way things really are, though, what you just said. Um, things are a spectrum. A continuum of really degrees of whatever temperature from hot to cold it's not you know hot and cold are the extremes of this scale of temperature and so it's the same with everything else and consciousness is very much like that i think it's all degrees of consciousness not discrete places that you're at although you know that it may make sense to talk in in terms of discrete steps that you reach i guess mm -hmm. just to help your you know understanding but you, you can never separate anything from anything else. That's one thing that, of course, reductionist science, that's a corner that they kind of painted themselves into is, you know, by always taking apart everything and putting it under a microscope, they started to realize that they weren't actually learning about life. They were learning about disassembled, taking apart life. And that's not the same thing. So. No, totally. It's kind of like we're a part of the universe, even though we see ourselves as individuals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Who inspires you? Who inspires me? Huh. At this time, I would say that I don't have necessarily one sort of key figure in popular culture that I can say inspires me. I'm really much more inspired by 
everyday people and by the things they do that are inspiring, I suppose you could say. Because like, for example, I'm definitely, definitely inspired by people like Brandon and people like yourself doing, again, you know, kind of circling back around to this, but, you know, making that effort to put themselves out there and actually going through the trouble of doing, because it, it's not something that's completely, you know, you can't just roll out of bed and a podcast will be ready, you know, <laughs> right? You actually have to make the effort to, to do it all. So, but yeah, that's what really inspires me now more than anything, because there isn't, I don't have, you know, one huge sort of popular figure that I'm really thinking about a lot. And on the other hand, my interactions with people every day kind of reveal to me those awesome little things that we all do, including myself, but I see them in other people, of course. So that's what I gravitate towards. Mm. I think that's really well worded. This is one extra question I have that I don't have on the list. Um, If you had to suggest a book or two to people listening or myself, what book would you suggest or Hmm. books? The big ones for me have always been the Conversations with God trilogy, man, by Neil Donald Walsh. Those were, you know, like I was telling you earlier, the Celestine Prophecy was sort of the first book that helped get me kind of going along this path. But Conversations with God had the most impact on my own way of thinking, really, I think. And even that I will qualify by saying that they just confirmed a lot of the things that I already thought. I found a lot of validation in that book, in, the, in those three books, actually. But I would, I would make those my picks for Deserted Island, you know, kind of. If all books, books on Earth were gone, which three would you save? I would say those three. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to give those a, a look over, um, give them a read. I've got so much stuff on my reading list, but I definitely want to start checking out things other people suggest instead of... Um, mentally masturbating with all the choices i decided to pick. well no i hear you i mean that's kind of funny you said it like that but i hear you though because i'm really at that same place man i mean i will make an effort to check out all these podcasts you know watch all these movies right that people recommend read all these books but like you i can only give my attention to so much in any given you know 24-hour period and i guess i'm thinking of what you said earlier that really is the way i think but whatever I'm meant to watch or read or hear, I will find my way to that kind of naturally. So yeah, sure. I'll make an effort to, but you know, I don't get too broken up if, you know, someone recommends to me a book, especially because of what we said about books, you know, you, you might tell me about a book and I could read it now and not take away from, from it, what I was supposed to. And then I'll, I'll do that two years from now. Who knows? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point too. Um, Maybe if I read it, write it, like if I went out and bought those books right now and I read them, I wouldn't get the same thing that I would if I read them when I actually get around to reading them. Yes, exactly so. Yeah, yeah. So I would recommend that you read them, but you will read them when it's your time, right? So, yeah. I totally get it. Um, So do you have any links or anything like that that you want me to share in the description below or um yeah i would say my soundcloud soundcloud page just so people can check out it's kind of like i was telling you earlier there people can check out tracks that i will be putting on that i will be you know uploading there but it's all very much uh work slowly in progress so Mm -hmm. uh, they you know everyone can just go to soundcloud.com slash dalian eight that's my name d-a-l-i-e-n eight in the number eight and that's just my profile on soundcloud I currently have four tracks of my own there, but 
people can also just see what music I'm into that I'm sharing on SoundCloud. And uh, that's pretty much it for now. Aside from that, it's just anything through the Positive Head podcast that you might hear about because, you know, Brandon will name drop me once in a while and, you know, one of the other listeners will comment on me and I may actually do what we're doing here now and go on and chat with him um, sometime in the near future. But if so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out when we get there. So, yeah. Awesome, man. And you had said before you might be thinking about doing a podcast of your own. Um, do you yes. have any timeline on when that might be? I don't, but um, let's say that here in the next six months, roughly, just to kind of, you know, give a very loose ballpark, I will be making, I guess, the announcement. And if so, of course, I would be uh, glad to, you know, reach out to the Spiritual Phoenix family to kind of let them all know, right? Like I will reach out to Positive Head folks. But uh, yeah, as of right now, all I can say is that there's the intention of doing something and uh, that's just about it for now. Just the intention. It should take shape in the next six months, but don't know yet. Don't know when or if, yeah. I look forward to hearing it when when you do get around to it, man. Um, And I just want to thank you for taking the time to do this uh, conversation. You're probably like only the third guy I've actually had on the podcast and talked to. I've had a lot of women on here, not, not to downplay them, but it's, I don't get to talk to a lot of guys about these kind of topics. So it's really cool to be able to have like so, some guy time to talk about this stuff. Um, I really appreciate your perspective. Um, I, I, I want to thank you too for helping with the Positive Head podcast because that's one of the things that has been such um, a great asset in my, in my uh, mental wellness kit. And it's something that really has propelled me to even be doing what I'm doing now. Um, so just thanks, man. And thanks. Oh, you're totally welcome, bro. You absolutely deserve all, all that praise. Um, and I've asked people to kind of close out on their own way um, before. So if you have like a closing thing you want to leave listeners with, um, the floor is open for you. Cool. Well, thanks for that. I, I will actually, uh, maybe I was going to say something else, but what you just said now is is a pretty good way to close it off because um, yeah, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here with you. These conversations are actually not really only a lot of fun, but also kind of therapeutic in a way, right? Because they, they help me in a sense. And like, like we were saying, I know that they help a lot of people who, who listen to them. And I, I have to, you know, just take the praise you gave me and redirect it towards Brandon. And I will acknowledge some, you know, praise. But it's, it's really been the opportunity that he gave me that is, was an unexpectedly awesome privilege, man. That's the way that I can think of it now because I am indirectly helping touch the lives of a lot of people through the work I'm doing for him or, or with him, right? And even beyond anything that I can do with my own podcast, which I think would be awesome, and what you're doing with your podcast, which again, you know, you, you are unique. So your your voice is going to add to Brandon's and to everyone else's. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, something that it, it really is kind of an unexpected privilege that, and you know, two three years ago I couldn't even have really understood, but now I'm kind of beginning to appreciate. So thanks to all of you for for the chance. Don't believe, don't follow, do not consume, do not watch. Largely what I'm talking about here is reclaiming experience.
this is what's been taken from us. It's a self-advancing, self-expanding, self-defining process, and it takes no prisoners. The real world isn't a spiritual world, it isn't a material world, it isn't an empty world, it isn't a solid world, it's simply...